Canucks Central Thursday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Canby and Maine or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. It is a Thursday. We're going to have the roundtable in just a moment. So Bick Nazar will be in here. Uh, Sat, how are you? I'm I'm very well. Thank yeah. you. Excited. It's been a very uh, newsy day yet again. Yeah, it has been. Um, a lot of Elias Pettersson stuff today. It really built on yesterday. Like We were wondering, you know, Frank Valley had his report. Nobody else really reported anything yesterday. Yes. We're like, you know, where is this going to go? What's happening? Usually everybody backs it up afterwards. Didn't happen right away, but things are trending in a good direction. Uh, Bick, how are you? What's up? The pe- awesome host of the People Show, and of course, uh, post games with Sat on this uh, Canuck Central podcast feed. Um, Actually, what was it like yesterday, Sat? Because uh, you know, breaking news and you at the JCC's dinner has uh, uh, kind of gone hand in hand over the years. Yeah, it wasn't quite as dramatic as four years ago. <laughs> I will say, we didn't feel like the world was about to stop. Hi, Drew Brees. <laughs> Why are you still here? <laughs> did you think it was wise to fly in day of, considering what's going on around the world? Yes. And what do you think Elias Pettersson will do in four years? And what do you think just yeah. tested positive. Yeah. They just had to stop. The NBA just got suspended, Drew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you think Elias Pettersson will sign for in four years, Drew? <laughs> the, uh, the world is completely shut down, Drew, and here we are. Uh, all right. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, noticed. We've done a, we started the show with a, a new segment. The Open. Yes. You're going to be a part of it today. Let's do it. It's like Wimbledon. <laughs> Here for a fortnight. And I happen to be wearing white, too. Welcome it's perfect. To the Open. Oh, that's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. You seem like a, a big Wimbledon guy. Love tennis. Do you? Yeah. Do you actually? Yeah. Wow. Like, are you a Rafa guy or a Federer guy? Uh, I'm a Federer guy. Oh, okay. Uh, but I also really like Novak Djokovic. <laughs> I'm judging you on that. Uh, I was always an Andre Agassi guy, though. If you, if you really, if you really want me to know, like uh, I was an Andre Agassi guy. Uh, all right, that's enough of that. Enough tennis talk. It's the Open. <laughs> the biggest news of the day on the Canucks. Our takes on the biggest news of the day for your Vancouver Canucks, and we'll also get to a couple of uh, the other newsy items when we get to the roundup a little bit later on in the segment. But we're here for the latest on Elias. Patterson. And as it happened, news continued to develop through the course of the day. I think for a large part of the day, Frank Saravalli's uh, report from yesterday still stood as the strongest indication that the Canucks and Elias Pettersson were working well down the path of a new contract. As the day has developed, more things have surfaced, including Elliot Friedman with a I don't know, Freege bomb, I guess we could call it. According to multiple sources, the Vancouver Canucks and Carolina Hurricanes had discussions about Elias Pettersson that advanced to a stage where both the Canucks and the player needed to make serious decisions about where their relationship was headed. The Canucks ultimately decided in favor of another attempt at extending Pettersson, and he, facing the possibility Vancouver could move him, allowed agents Pat Brisson and J.P. Barry to resume negotiations. Previously, the talented forward indicated he preferred to wait until after the season. That is from Elliot Friedman. He also goes on to say no extension is complete at this time, of course, which we know, or else we'd have news on it. But that's a pretty big freege bomb, and all of this 
happenings over the last 24 hours? Yeah, and it's one of those things where it was funny because I, I came to work yeah. at the studio and I saw you guys. And en route, you know, I'm not really checking Twitter for like, you know, 10, 15, 15 minutes it takes me to get in here or whatever. And I was like, yeah, there, we were like, yeah, there are rumors out there. And we had kind of heard, you know, behind the scenes that there could have been some trade talks potentially with the Carolina Hurricanes. That's out there. And what does that mean in terms of what happened with Pedersen? And unbeknownst to me, Elliot Friedman had the, the report out <laughs> about what's going on. And, and, and I think it's fascinating because you can look at it a number of different ways. One is the, the the fun joking way you kind of referred it to as like blackmailing Patterson, saying like, "Hey, you go to Carolina or you sign an extension, make your decision now, right?" But but I also think you can also play it off a lot. There's smoother. definitely like you can read it, you can read Elliot's report and feel that way. Yeah, you could, right? Now it could also just. Very, I think the best way to play this, and I think the way you would play a situation like this. And let's just assume for a moment the trade talks were genuine. Like Carolina called and the Canucks actually went down that road and they were, weren't just using Carolina as a patsy mm-hmm. to bring, you know, Pedersen on board. I think what you can do is, hey, teams have called us, Elias. Yeah. You're an incredible player. You're one of the best in the National Hockey League. We want to keep you. But because you're unsigned and but because you haven't intended, you haven't told us what your intention is, teams are calling. And when a player like you is available, teams are going to call and sometimes t- offer us things that we have to think about because you haven't told us what your future is. And so I think if you play it off that way, and if that's honestly how it came about, then it was maybe perfect timing. You know, like finally somebody came along and gave them a, an offer they had to think about, and they had to turn to Pedersen and say, "Hey, Pedersen, we want to keep you here, but you got to give us an indication here, man. Like you're a year away from free agency, you hold all the cards. Let's get something done, or we may have to consider something else." Is that what happened or did they use another team to kickstart negotiations? It comes down to how you view it. But if I'm trying to talk to the player and get him to come to the table, that's how I, how I would have sold it. Deadlines per action, right? Yeah. And you can talk about the deadline eight days from now or a deadline of, hey, we're being pushed to a decision here. And now we have to push you to a decision of what is actually your intent here? And at some point that was always going to, come to the surface. Mm-hmm. What was his intent? I know, Dan, we talked a lot about it on Monday, mm-hmm. but it just on Monday, I didn't feel like we had any idea of what the intent was. It's been my whole thing this whole time. If you but, don't have an indication from the player, you have to assume one of the possibilities is sure. they're going to say they want out. And, and, and that's you know, management team doing their due diligence. Yeah. As much like other teams are calling in, that's, that's their job. Right. If if your group didn't call in on Jack Eichel, Matt Kachuk, that's the, that's them failing at their job. Yes. As much as we talk about they got to win cups and all that, the day to day stuff, you have to go do your job. Preparing for the worst case scenario mm-hmm. is Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin's job. You have to be prepared. So going through this whole process and exposing what the intent is for Elias Pettersson, that's a job well done in six days here to push this and say we we finally need to know what you're feeling mm-hmm. and if. if comes through and eight-year extension is what happens that, that like that's solving the problem because the thing that didn't make sense to me and was was the notion that the canucks the last few days have been leaking information to the media about hmm. how they're how they're upset with Pedersen and everything to put pressure on the player through the media and through twitter so to speak right to me, that doesn't it doesn't didn't really make sense. I'm like, is that really going to bring somebody to the table? Well, everything we've heard is uh, how Pedersen would like for as little news to be out there about this as possible. Right. So why would the Canucks do anything to destabilize that if they want to re-sign the player? Right. And if news came out, it would have to be credible news. 
Yeah. That like, hey, this is course of action, right? Like we work, we have business, we talk to teams, they call us. And because we talk to other teams, that means they may leak something. Things may get out from somebody More else. More people right? get involved. So right. it's mm. easier for news to get out. This, however, is real pressure to force somebody's hand. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't buy into that stuff. And I'm not, I'm not, again, I'm not questioning anybody's sources or anything. Just the whole idea of the Canucks are bombarding the media to get Pedersen to the table, right? This get somebody to the table this type of situation where it's like you gotta decide your future man because yeah. we may we may have to pull yeah. the trigger on a deal and you don't have a no trade clause we can do whatever we want and you, you might look at it and say well why did he not just call their bluff and say i'm not going to sign in carolina to me that's besides the point because once the team is willing to listen and says hey we have an offer on the table at that point you signal to the player if it's not carolina it'll be elsewhere yeah so do you want to be here or not and tell us now that, to me, is the real type of pressure to bring somebody to the table, not, you know, throwing stuff out there in terms of what, what we say in the media. Canucks didn't have many leverage cards to play, really. Right. really. Uh, they don't have much leverage in the situation. You can decide yourself how much leverage this really gives them, but at the bottom line of it, they got Pedersen to the table, which is a win for the Canucks. Mm-hmm. If they sign Elias Pedersen to an eight-year deal, that's a win for the Canucks. Or a f- three-year deal, yes. right? Like, solve this and yeah. get pen to paper. He, he, he controls how much it's going to be. He controls how long it's going to be. Yeah. But they could only try to force him to try to talk. Yeah. And force is probably the wrong word, but engineer a situation where they're actually talking. They encouraged Elias Pettersson to go. get to the bar- bargaining table. Yes. Yes. Right. And look, um, I don't know if there's a real hard negotiation that has to go on here between player and team, right? Everybody, when it gets to this level of a player, you understand as the team, as the organization, it's going to be expensive. If you can shave 100, 250K here and there, sure, you'd like to, but it's not going to be the hill that you die on. So whatever it ends up being, if you get eight-year term, that's great for the Canucks. If you get six-year term, I think that's great for the Canucks. And I just don't see a world, and I said this last week on the show, Sat, I, I just don't see a world where the number ends up being, the annual number ends up being higher than 14% of next year's cap ceiling, which would be 12 and a quarter. And by most reports, it seems like it would come, on, come in under that anyways. Yeah, so... It's impossible right now to really give you a hard, fast number for where it's going to land. Yeah, I think CJ mentioned it might be in the Nylander range as opposed to being plus 12 million. 11 range. and a half uh, over eight years, yeah. We've heard and anything from 11.5 to 12.5. So I think that's the range. That's the $1 million range it'll fall into. Yeah. Um, if I had to th- throw a dirt at it right now, I'd say 11.75 might be the number. Yeah. That, that would, would be, be my, kind of my guess. And that would, I think, if you can get it under 12, I think you could sell that as a win. But I think that's dependent on the structure. I think what you're probably nailing out right now is hmm. term. And, and, and again, like, I don't, I, I don't, I'm sure there's an eight-year term on the table. I, I think it's one of those situations where it's like, there's here's eight, here's seven, here's six. What do you want to do? multiple options. There are options yeah. here. And Pedersen will get to decide. So, so I'm not saying there are eight hasn't We've been agreed discussed. on five contracts. Yes. Yeah, so here, door here, number one, yeah. door number two. I think that's exactly what it is. So I, I'm not sure it's going to necessarily be eight at the end. We'll see. And maybe it is. It's one of the possibilities, I think, eight, as opposed to like it's going to be eight years. And I think the number is really dependent on what they're negotiating right now and hammering out. And I think those details can sometimes take a couple of days to, to hammer out. 
Yeah, the actual act of like, hey, what range are we in? That's fairly simple to figure out. Yeah. But you know, we always talk about total money. Here we are, the three uh, total money aficionados. <laughs> total money. Yes. And cash flow. Mm-hmm. Like those are the big ones to figure out. When's the money coming? Are we doing signing bonus? How much is of upfront and all those sort of things? Those are the the real excruciating details, more so than, yeah. uh, you know, AAV. Um, well, and you know, if you look at it signing bonus wise, uh, I mentioned this Miller got a lot from the Canucks. I think it's eight million this year. It's mm-hmm. going to be another eight eight and a half million uh, for next year, and then five million for a couple of years after that. So a lot of signing bonus money is tied into Miller's contract. Other big players around the league. Uh, Matthews, his new deal next season kicks off with nearly $16 million of signing bonus. Yeah. You know, big players, high-end players, they get to call their shots on this, and, you know, we'll see how it ends up with Elias Pettersson on that front. If you want to use a different comp, Bo Horvat with his new deal with the New York Islanders, mm-hmm. Lou Lamorello doesn't give any signing bonus mm-hmm. money, so he got no signing bonus money. His entire contract is built into salary every two weeks during the course of a regular season. So just like the rest of us. Yes. <laughs> just like the rest of us. Just maybe a little bit of a higher number. But you know, that's that's the negotiation that's about to go on here. And I guess, you know, what's next? Obviously this is a win for the Canucks. Assuming they get it done, they get it across the line. Whether or not it happens like does this get done officially before the trade deadline sat? So I think there, I think with what's going on now, yeah. there is a chance it does get done before the trade deadline. My guess, would, my question, not guess, my question here is, if they can hammer something out in the next, say, 24, 48 hours, do you say, let's just put a pin in it, we have to focus on the deadline, and as soon as the deadline's over, we'll sure. get back and hammer it out. That's one thing I wonder about, because I couldn't get a real commitment in terms of, it was funny, because when I was talking to somebody today in terms of when can we expect this to get done? And they were very careful in saying, don't say it, it can't get done here by tomorrow, but it's not necessarily going to get done by tomorrow. Yeah. These things can take time. And, and sure, it can only take a moment and a phone call and you figure things out pretty quickly. That can always obviously I, I, happen. I don't know if one phone call solves like your signing bonus, bonus. structure. <laughs> maybe a couple, maybe a few text messages, right? But I, I think we're at the stage where those might be the things you're hammering out here. Yeah. If they can get it done, but I do think there's a possibility that if they can't hammer it out now, because I do think the Canucks, here's the other side of it before we get to the roundup, based on my discussions today, like I think the Canucks are very much big game hunting right now. Like, I don't think they're looking at just that, hey, we missed out on Tanev. Let's just add some some depth guys. And even on the Tanev front, and the Canucks were in on Tanev, I think the reason why they decided not to go all in on Tanev is, number one, you've heard rumors now that Tanev might be looking at $5 million per year. And I think the reason you're talking about that is somebody has made an indication to him in his camp at some point that that may be available to him. I think uh, we all wonder about Ottawa being sure, that team, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think Vancouver can do that. So Vancouver felt like, hey, if we t- trade for Tanev and we can't extend him, do we want to give up more assets for a guy we can't keep? I wonder if that's why they didn't go out and beat the, the offer that Dallas had. Because in theory, they could have beat, beaten that offer, right? So I think from what I've heard is they're still very much looking at adding a significant player if they can. Mm-hmm. We won't, we'll see if it happens. And if that significant player is going to cost a lot, it's going to have to be somebody they're keeping for beyond this year. So I don't think they're afraid of trading more assets, especially big assets, but it's going to have to be for a player that they want to keep beyond just this trade deadline. So, Bick, another top six forward would be on the wish list? That screams, you know, a, a high-end winger to me. Yeah. Right? Like, 
they have seven demon, you'd love one of them to be upgraded, right? You'd love that. But they have a hole yeah. on the wing. They could really use just one more natural goal scorer. And they, they still didn't solve the Pedersen thing, right? No. So someone to play on his wing. A proper running mate. Yeah. They haven't solved that. So until you solve that, and if they're big game hunting, like there there are candidates. Uh, we, we've spoken a great deal about them. But that to me is is the, the, the thing to solve for uh, March 8th. The obvious part is, you know, if you have a framework of a Pedersen deal done, you potentially know a better picture of your future cap and what it looks like yeah. and how fitting in another big salary should you go big game hunting would fit into that structure over the next few years. Yeah, and, and I think if they make that type of a deal, it would be a pretty strong indication that they're probably not going to be likely to keep Lindholm because right. they're viewing Lindholm very much as a, as a rental. They have interest in keeping the player, but they're viewing him as a rental very much. So if they're giving up more assets, it's for somebody that they're keeping. Yeah. Right. There's somebody that they want to hold on to quickly before we get out. And Austin and Lang- Langley was asking this. Put your tinfoil hat, tinfoil hats on. What did Carolina offer for Elias Patterson? <laughs> what are our best guesses here? So uh, I know friend of the show, Dave Pinota, reported uh, that um, Yasperi Kokinemi and Martin Nachas were at least talked about. Well, just to make the money work, yeah. we'd need them. Yeah. Yep. So. According to him, at least those two players were at least talked about in the framework of what a potential deal could look like. Yeah. And it's it's hard to look at Carolina's situation and not imagine that Natchez wouldn't be a part of a package coming back to the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, and you know, like I mentioned before I found out about Friedman's report here, we yes. were talking in the bullpen, we, we had heard Carolina's name and everything like that, and then a couple of names that had come up were Cook and Amy and Martin Natchez, and that's obviously what, what Pinona kind of re- re- reported here. One thing I heard, and people have wondered about this, like it wasn't Ajo. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. like that, they, they weren't offering Ajo for Pedersen. It wasn't going to be something like that. I wonder if, you know, a prospect like uh, Scott Morrow would be maybe talked about too in a situation like that. But I mean, my understanding uh, Bradley Nadeau, they just drafted. Yeah. Back end first rounder. Yeah. I I think what I think the reason it got to the stage it got was because it was a pretty overwhelming package. So it would have been a compelling offer. So it wasn't just those two Mm -hmm. pieces. I think, I think, you know, if if I had to guess again, we're just guessing here. Kokinemi, Nikash, first round pick and probably a couple prospects, if not more picks too. Like I think it it, it was like a sizable Mm -hmm. package. I think you're, you're talking about here. One thing I did want to mention as sort of like timeline from uh, now, when it's first reported and when a deal could actually be signed, William Nylander, it was first reported they were close on January 2nd or 3rd, and officially the contract wasn't done and dusted until January 8th. Yeah. He had to do like a bunch of media scrums, and he was asked about it, it had to be all coy and whatever, uh, but it eventually got done, but it did take about five days for them to figure out bonus structure and different types of things that went into the contract outside of hey, we're ready to do this, and this is what the number is going to look like. Yeah, and then there are simple things as like timing-wise yeah. that play into it. When do you want to announce something? How do you want to you know, yeah. do it? And Your Twitter, my Twitter? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> How do you want to do this? Do you do you want us to break it? Do you want to break it? <laughs> well, they're going to go on the road for a bunch of days, right? right. You're yeah. going to have to do a press conference here in Vancouver at some point right. if Pedersen is signing the largest contract in franchise history. And that's kind of one of the things I wonder about. If you're not able to nail this down here yeah. over the next couple of days, and let's say you don't get it done by tomorrow, Connects are practicing practicing tomorrow, right? Yeah. And then they play on Sunday in Anaheim. I think they're flying out on Saturday. So if, if you don't feel like you're getting something done here the next 24, 48, do you just hold off and, and try to hammer something out post-deadline, which is coming up you know, later next week? It's uh, the 
open, but also with a Canuck Central roundtable feel. And as we continue on the open, we get to the Canuck Central roundup, some of the bits of news that came out during the course of the day. Rick Tockett spoke with media after the Canucks. Well, they didn't have a skate. They had an optional skate. Only a few players skated. Most of them did not today. Um, it was a couple of interesting things from Tockett, um, something we've discussed. I know you guys have talked about it on the postgame show a ton how Lindholm has fit in. And it's still very much a work in progress, according to the coach. But we do know he sort of loves a lot of the traits that Lindholm brings to his roster. How how do we see the how this player has developed to this point? And especially, how do we like the way that this new setup is with the three centers all driving their own line, Miller, Pedersen, and Lindholm? I mean, I think I'm higher on what Lindholm has done than both you guys. You know, I mean, Bick's, Bick has been lukewarm. No, no, no. no, no. no, no. I, 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 I like the player. Bick has Four been Four goals in 12 games doesn't sound bad, but it's... Six in 12 and dash five? See, yeah. again, you can hear it. Bick is lukewarm. <laughs> uh, Reach was referring to him as a, as a, why give up all that, all that for a third line center? Yes. So I feel a lot better about his game and where it's trending than both you guys do because I see what it could look like at the finish line. I agree that so far, you know, the fit hasn't really worked out. But, but again, like, I think one of the conversations we... We had, but I don't think we spent enough time focusing on, was before they got Lindholm, sure, they need a top four defenseman, another forward. Which line and which center do you feel comfortable going head-to-head against other teams' top lines? And we all agree, the Canucks don't really have that guy. Yeah. Now you have that guy. And I think that matters more in the playoffs than it does now. And I think once he comes, his game comes together, I think he'll be a bigger impact player. And I think the difference he can make come the postseason, playing that type of a role even if it's 17 and a half minutes a game, can make a massive difference to you. I do agree. We haven't figured out what the combinations look like, Mm -hmm. and I have questions about how it's going to look. That's why ultimately I'm saying they're a forward short on the wing to really be able to put it all together here, and hopefully they address that by the deadline. But yeah, I feel better about where his game's at and where it's trending. I think than a lot of people are because we have people texting in on the post game shows. I know Gary and North Shore always says, yeah. "It's not working. Trade him. You know, flip him. You still got time. Out, you still you know? got time." Yeah. And look, we we've had so many discussions about this on air, off air, uh, Sat and I, of and it, it, it's more for me like they didn't solve the first problem, and I'm getting hung up on sequencing. And I've thought about this more and more of like you know those painting or those painters that like do the painting upside down. You're like, what are they doing? <laughs> It doesn't look like anything. Is that supposed yeah. to be like a bird on a river and they turn it upside down? It's like, or right side up. It's like, oh, it's Muhammad Ali or it's it's whatever. It's like, oh, wow, it looks like the thing that... <laughs> so once they get the winger and everything kind of slots correctly, it's like, all right, it's fine. I, I really like the player. Like He is exactly as advertised, right? You, you think about that play where he opens up that opportunity for Nils Oglander, where he takes the guy's hands against Chicago. and it's He's just a smart player. Yes. He knows how to control the puck. He's really good along the walls. He finds teammates. He, he's a really smart player. It, it For me, it's just sequencing, right? It's just they didn't get the winger for Elias Patterson yet. And until you solve that, uh, I'm still going to have doubts. Uh, I wondered what Joshua Lindholm and Garland could look like when Joshua does return. But... We'll, uh, we'll discuss that when it happens. Uh, Demko's getting his 46th start of the season tonight. Uh, DeSmith will get in over the next few games. I imagine he'll play Sunday against Anaheim. That'll give Demko a pretty good, like almost a full week uh, mm-hmm. between games. Um, but, you know, you really start to look at this. Five in a row. There's two games against Anaheim, two games against Arizona for the rest of the season. So there's four starts, potentially. One of the Arizona games is a back-to-back, so it's a guaranteed DeSmith start. There's four DeSmith starts. 
How do you fit in? Like, you need another three DeSmith starts just to keep Demko under 60 starts for the season. And given there's no back-to-backs, and there's quite a few tough matchups that the Canucks are going to have to go through, I I wonder where you fit those extra three starts in. I think you can probably figure, you can, as you get closer... Yeah, I think there you'll be able to find a game here or there to do it. Maybe if you clinch the Pacific, you sort of rotate them at the end of the yeah, season. Yeah, I think some things like that can kind of happen if they get closer to clinching the first yeah. place in the mm. conference, for instance. I, the more I think about it, though, guys, like the less concerned I am because of how many days the Canucks have with the games played. You know what I mean? Right, but this is the trap. This is like it's it's not about getting them to fifty five for the sake of getting them to fifty five. Right. It's about keeping them for the playoffs. No, I understand. And so, like, I get it. But also, rhythm matters for the playoffs. And when you're not playing a lot, Mm -hmm. like, let's say, for instance... But mileage matters for the playoffs, too. It does. But I also think, like, the rhythm does matter. And if you get to a point where they're alternating starts, and then he's going four, five, six days between starts, like, is that conducive to him being at his best when the playoffs come around? So, I get it. But I think we we have to kind of accept he's going to probably play 59 games, right? At least 58 games. Like, he's probably getting to 60, isn't he, guys? 57 is my number, right? Like, I, I'm 55 is the one I want to come into the season with. I would have stretched to 57. After that, I'm look, it's not the end of the world, but so you've got to find five extra starts for him. Yeah, that's where I'm like, oh, really? Like, this was the plan? It's, it's, you want to trade the Smith? Is that what you're saying? He's this is, <laughs> no. this is now 11 of the last 13 games. <laughs> Although it could open up 900K for you. Uh, this is 11 of the last 13 games that Demko yeah, has. I, I don't think he started five in a row this year. Yeah, I, I think... The, the, it's been a lot since the All-Star break. But does it feel like he, he's been playing... He's playing t- fantastic. No, no, I, I get that. No, but I'm saying like in terms of his usage, I know he's playing a lot of games. Does it feel like they're forcing him in there a lot? Like they've played DeSmith on the back-to-backs. They put DeSmith into to, to some starts. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, does it feel like they're overplaying him in terms of how it's gone? Or does it kind of just... It doesn't feel like it, right? but then when I see the numbers and I read the numbers, it seems like a lot. <laughs> uh, he'll probably get maybe a couple of games between the stretch where they play Washington, Buffalo, Montreal, Calgary back-to-back. Maybe you can rotate him in there a couple of games, but yeah. you know, there's a lot of games against top-tier teams in the Western Conference that the Canucks have remaining on the schedule, so that could be tough. And finally, uh, Susie is fairly close, according to the coach, which uh, is bringing a tear to Bix eye. That's huge. <laughs> Huge man, he has been uh, a fun watch, right? Obviously, like Queen Hughes is, is the the funnest to watch, yeah. And Ronick's been fantastic. I I just it really enjoy watching Carson Susi. Uh, he, he he's had a really tough one, obviously, yeah. But when he's in there, like the PK looks so solid. It seems like he's simultaneously the most overrated and underrated player because, like, when he's been out of the lineup, we talk about him as if he's like this great defenseman mm-hmm. when and, is he overrated uh well because we make him seem like he's oh know, sure prime darian hatcher or something like <laughs> right. that when he's okay. in the lineup but he might be the myers whisperer right like like tire My- myers, has looked and his myers best. was the og twin towers pair yeah. and it actually worked and they looked really solid yeah and to me like i know myers is getting the third minutes right now but carson susie's your number 3d man when when healthy and it, it would just allow cole to go back to more solid minutes and maybe Cole Juleson go back together. Yeah. There's uh it's like this guy has been an amazing signing in a very small sample sign uh size that we've seen. Uh it's an interesting one with uh Carson Susie. I do wonder if the Canucks explore the uh, D trade market a little bit still too. At least a depth defenseman as we've mm-hmm. talked about. Uh all right. Bick. Chad Ruweedle. <laughs> just kidding. Sat's just on this Chad Ruweedle train and it's won't a, let it go. It's 800K. Chad Ruweedle, overrated or underrated? <laughs> 
nobody has a strong opinion on that. <laughs> nobody I just love does. saying Chad Ruido. It's just a great name. <laughs> what about Ilya Lubushkin? Yeah. That's a fun name to say. Lubushkin. Yeah. Probably makes too much money, to be honest. What about Sean Walker? Yeah, Lubushkin's like, what, 2.75? Yeah. Sean Walker? What are you what, with, okay. Give up everything if for Sean Walker? If you could do a Tanev-type deal for Sean Walker... And extend him? And extend him? I think it would have to be with an extension if they're giving up a bigger offer for him. Is he yeah. tall enough, though? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, serious question. Yeah, yeah no. Probably. Like, the way they've built the rest yeah, of the exactly. it's like, no, is, is he tall enough? Probably not. Yeah. It just, it hurts when you say stuff like that, Mike. <laughs> Wasn't about you. <laughs> uh, all right. And also, it. Will Borgen. I'll put that one back out there. Will Ooh, Borgen. That's, uh, He's tall enough. That's it for the Canuck Central Roundtable, and it was featured during the Open today. Bick, we appreciate you. Always. Love it. Uh, we'll see you tonight at the rink and hear you post game with Sat after the Canucks and LA Kings tonight. Bick, did you join us during the dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline? You know what? Feels like it did. The mic is hot. <laughs> <laughs> it is hot. It sounds hot. The dispatch plumbing, heating, and air conditioning hotline, the first call, the only call. It's Bick Nazar every Thursday on Canuck Central.